listening to All Eyes on Cleveland Browns Wildcard Weekend Special Edition. I am your host, Brad Ward. Today is January 6, 2021, and your Browns are playing a playoff game this Sunday night in primetime against the Pittsburgh Steelers. We have an amazing show planned for you tonight, so sit back and enjoy All Eyes on Cleveland Special Wild Card Weekend Edition. live here on All Eyes on Cleveland. Uh, welcome to the show. You can get the show uh, where all popular podcasts are found. Um, and you can watch the show on the simulcast here on YouTube, uh, Facebook Live, and Periscope. Let's bring in uh, one of our guests here tonight right away. His name is Jake Burns. I'm sure you all know him. He is uh, found on Twitter at Jake underscore Burns 18 he is, uh, works at the Orange and Brown Report, uh, does incredible work there, host of uh, the OBR Film Breakdown podcast as well. Welcome to the show, Jake. How are we doing tonight? Great, Brad. How are you, man? I'm doing fantastic. A lot going on here right now uh, uh, for the Brownies. Uh, so we're going to dive right in, and uh, I'm sure Jeff will be with us here in a moment or two. Um, but, uh, you know, 11 and five, the Browns finish, they get a two point victory over our, uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers. Um, you know, they time stood still as the ball sat between Carlson's legs there for a moment, but you know, these are games, uh, that in my opinion, that they've lost over the years. And, and and that's a lot of what we've seen this year is them facing end-of-game situations that they found a way to lose, and they found a way to win this one. And it's a huge, huge over get-over-the-hump, burden off my back, get in the playoffs, huge for the organization, huge for the fan base. Thoughts on that? And I'll bring Jeff in while you're talking. Yeah, no, obviously it's, it's, uh, we've, we've certainly wanted the Browns to, to close games. They've been, and what's up, Jeff, we've certainly wanted them to close games better than they have, uh, than they've closed them, put it that way. But it's nice to see them get a lead. You know, you always want to play from out in front. This offense is obviously built to play from out in front of people. Uh, so it's been nice to see them jump out in front of people. And then, like you said, Brad, hold on. Even when they've let teams back in there, there's no doubt they've been one of the NFL's worst garbage time uh, teams. And I think there's pretty pretty solid data out there from people who crunch the numbers and make some great graphs social media-wise about you know how bad the Browns have been when there's been over an, over an 80% win probability for either team. But the, the moral of the story is with your question, yeah, I mean, it's obviously great – or it's not so great that they've let teams back in, but they've found a way to hang on. And, and, and certainly – uh, Sunday was a recipe that we've seen this year. They get out to a lead. They go into the fourth quarter up 24 to 9. Feels like they're going to close this thing out easily. It's going to be a party at the end. And then all of a sudden some things happen. A couple things bounce against them. A couple plays they're an inch away from making. But they won. They're winning them. They they uh, they have found a way to win those games when you typically, as a Cleveland fan, have said they find a way to lose. Or, or when everything can go wrong, it does go wrong. 
they found a way to win those games, and that matters. So maybe the next step in this phase of rebuild, we obviously know there's some things to do, but as the culture shifts is they get out in front of people and they don't relinquish some of those leads. So um, end of the day, you need to win games. They won 11 of them, and and, and that's uh, – I don't really care how they happen. I don't care if there's a negative point differential. you got to win games, uh, good, bad, or ugly. Um, you got to find a way to do it, and they did enough of it. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, welcome to the show, Jeff. Uh, how we doing tonight, sir? Jeff Risden is the managing editor at the Browns Wire, and he writes for Real GM. How you guys doing? Very good. Thanks for having me back, guys. Good to see you again, Jake. It's been a while. <laughs> it has, Jeff. It has, man. Uh, so we're talking about this monstrous, uh, you know, getting over the hump here for the Browns. Let's uh, kind of, you know, uh, transition into what's going on here this week. A lot going on. So obviously the biggest news, head coach Kevin Stefanski, uh, in our eyes, probably head coach of the year. That's the way I feel about it. Uh, will uh, miss the game. Uh, he spoke today uh, for a while. Um, said he'll be involved all week in the game planning. Uh, once I think the rule is once the game kicks off, that's it. He's out. He can't, you know, have no communication with anybody from that point on. They're going to have a virtual walkthrough practice. Uh, but he felt confident in the virtual walkthrough. You got AVP calling the plays and Prefer at head coach. What do you expect uh, this to look like on Sunday, Jeff? Uh, that's a good question. I think we're all a little bit wondering what what a Mike Prefer coached team will look like. Um, this was a guy that um, there were some people, um, and I won't I won't say that I wasn't one of them that thought he should have at least gotten interviewed for maybe the head coaching job. He certainly deserved to stay. He's not done a very good job with the special teams this year. Maybe maybe he can redeem himself with a a glorious upset win. That'd be nice. I think they're going to play it conservative. I think. I hope that they have learned from the error of their ways in getting away from the run game. That's how you're going to beat Pittsburgh. You run right at them. You punch them in the mouth and make them stop you. Uh, I think that would mitigate some of the pass rush uh, with with T.J. Watt coming back. He's a big concern. If you run at him, he's not going to smack your quarterback. He's not going to disrupt your passing game as much. So I think they're going to get a little bit conservative, a little bit more conservative than normal um, in, in the hopes of reducing possessions, shortening the game, Hoping that their offensive efficiency can come through, and that uh, that maybe they get a they get a turnover or two, that would be fantastic. I think that's something that uh, we've been sorely lacking. Uh, I know I went crazy when MJ Stewart picked off that pass on Sunday. Yes, um, yes. I, I was I, I literally leapt off my couch and said hallelujah, um, and I hope I get to do that again because uh, the, the that's that's the type of thing that's going to control this game. They're going to have to get a couple of extra takeaways, stop, get stops, and convert those into points. And I think. You know, leaning on the run game, Nick Chubb has proven he can break off big runs and make big plays in the run game from anywhere. Not many teams can do that. I think Kareem, while he's slumped lately, that's still a very good weapon out of the backfield. I, I love it. They, they came out with both of them on the field on the very first play. Um, that, that was in the Jets game, and we haven't seen that since, and I would like to go back to that. I, I want to see that where they're both on the field. Give Give those linebackers, give their safety something to worry about. I, I wonder if that's going to be a wrinkle that they throw in. Um, obviously, you can't do anything too radical because, you know, Stefanski's out, a couple of the wide receivers coaches out. So there's there's issues with that. But it, it's not it's not the end of the world that they're not there. Uh, but it, it certainly isn't an advantage, that's for sure. 
it's tough because they got a lot of other things to worry about as well as those wrinkles, uh, especially we're going to get to Joel Batonio here in a minute. But he talked a lot about the run game there, Jake. If only 14 carries for Chubb. Uh, thoughts on that in the last game? Were they saving him? And, and it kind of even is a little more curious because for me it was one of Kareem Hunt's worst games. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I don't know if they're saving him. I think if you maybe get Kevin Stefanski with some some beer behind a closed door, he would give away whether he was sandbagging yeah. some things. I don't. I don't know. It's tough to sit here and say. Yeah. That, yeah. In, that, in, in a win in a winner take all situation where they have to win the football game, that he would keep things close to the vest like that. I, I just that it's extremely brazen. Now, could he have done that? Sure. He just felt they were going to win no matter what. But, but I certainly left that uh, left that game thinking. I think that there were situations they wanted to run the football. Like you, you, there are a couple drives there. There are only so many drives in an NFL game, and I think that's something that people forget. And if you take tough second down sacks, they took two terrible second down sacks in the second quarter that eliminated drives. They go, those plays go from guys. You remember that that makes it a six play drive when it could have been a fifteen play drive, and that's eight more runs right there. Or another drive, they they're on fourth and one there in the third quarter. They're they're trying to keep the drive alive. Joe Batonio jumps. So like those, there's three drives there that could have had an uh, upward of 20 more plays, and then you get more runs. So listen, I, I know we all want them to run more. I, I Nick Chubb's fantastic. I I I I have a hard time. I have always had a hard time questioning play calling because unless it's blatantly obvious, just because I think it's a really challenging thing to do, and there's a lot of variables that happen in a in a split second. And the only time I really got super frustrated was that third and three, where I think eventually you got to put your for lack of a better word, you got to put your best, you know, your, your your best on best, and say, hey, we got two carries here for Nick Chubb, third and three. We got to figure it out. We got to we got to we got to put him on the field, and we got to close this thing out. So th- there was a little bit of point in there. I don't think they're holding on to too much, but may- maybe they were. And 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 kudos to Stefanski if they were. But but this is my opinion on this week's game. Like, I think you obviously want to run Nick, and Jeff, you make some great points, man. Like you want you want to run Nick, and if Nick can get to 24, 25 carries, that's probably a win. That's just like the virtue of their recipe for success. But you have to create some possessions. Take the football first. Create first half possessions where you get the football the most times you can get it in the first half. Because we all know, guys, the formula for the Browns winning is they got to play from in front. You cannot hand yeah. Minka Fitzpatrick a pick six right away. You cannot go down fourteen nothing quickly on a, on a double move. Those things cannot happen because the Browns. Get in a situation where they're down 14 nothing. You got Baker in the shotgun 95% of the time. TJ Watt can pin his ears back. Alex Highsmith can pin his ears back, who's done a nice job filling in for Bud Dupree. And then it becomes a tight, condensed pocket, as you guys know. You lose the run pass uh, deception that's so great about this offense. So to me, the first quarter, I think, is going to tell a lot of the story on Sunday. If the Browns are able to run the football a little bit, but they're also able to keep this thing close, and you can see them moving the line of scrimmage a little bit, get a couple play-action schemes going, uh, then you could say, okay, I think they can settle in and do some things here. So first quarter, very important for me. And Jeff made a great point. Make some turnovers. Make some of those little plays happen. You know, the Steelers got a bunch of little breaks in that game that people don't talk about. Juju Schuster on that ball over the middle on that crossing route third down about an inch away from getting broken up. Mason Rudolph eats that sack from uh, Olivier Vernon. He fumbles it, but the ball just lands in his lap. Like there's a bunch yeah. of little things that still went Pittsburgh's way. So I think that if the Browns can get those little 50-50 plays, six or seven of them happen a game, they can get a couple of those. Like Jeff said, create a turnover, create an interception, a fumble. Then you're cooking, man. So we'll see. All right, absolutely. Let's talk about Joel Batonio missing this game. It's a crushing loss. Obviously, personally for him, your longest, you know, your your longest uh, veteran guy that's been there through the ups and downs. Um, first of all, 
How does that change? I mean, the Browns, you know, they came in, Stefanski, with the zone run scheme, right? Uh, but they've changed that. They've become kind of a hybrid run team. They do cards. They have a lot of things that they do. They're kind of multiple in their run game. That's an advantage that they bring to the table every week without Batonio there. And I don't know which way they're going to go. And you guys, I'm going to ask each of you what you think. I kind of think maybe Kendall Lamb because there's no experience anyplace else. I think Dunn played one play and Hans is a guy off the Jets practice squad. Uh, so, Jeff Rizin, what, what do you think about the run game? It, it, how much uh, does this inhibit what they can do in the run game? And, and how do you combat this loss with Petonio? You know, it, it's very tough because uh, aside from the fact that he's he's very good, he's also really, really smart. He's one of those guys, he's never out of position. He always understands where he needs to be on a play. He's not perfect in executing it, but he's at least going to give you a chance to do it. If Michael Dunn is in there, and, and it's my suspicion that he will wind up getting in, because I've seen I've seen Kendall Lamb at, at guard and tackle from, from my days covering the Texans. <laughs> I don't, I don't want him on the field. I really don't want him inside. He is way too stiff. Um, just That's doesn't great have to hear. Move, just doesn't have the movement skills or the the, the raw power. Um, I, I, that's not the right way to say it. He doesn't have the will to exert his will in power um, that I think you would see from, from a guy like Dunn uh, or Anthony Fabiano, who they signed today. Um, Blake Hance, I remember him from – a long time ago being a, a tackle at Northwestern. And that, that was like the only notable thing that I ever remembered about him. Um, I'm aware of who he is, but I, I can't say that I've seen him play. So I, I, I don't know how that's going to work. He did, he did go with, um, he does have experience with Callahan. So maybe there's something there um, that he would at least, you know, understand the system, but uh, it's uh it's a big loss. How do you get linemen acclimated? How do you get them comfortable? You come out and you punch the guy across from you in the mouth. You run the ball early. Uh, obviously, Pittsburgh is going to be expecting that, but uh, I, I think the ability to get to get a guy into a little bit of rhythm and not have him, you know, on the first drive of the game, you know, have two shotgun snaps where he's got to deal with Cam Hayward breathing down his neck. Uh, that that would be a very rough way to go with with any of this. It'd be a rough way with Petonio, quite honestly. So I would like to see them, you know, be a little bit conservative. You know, maybe maybe mix in a screen pass or a, a tunnel screen. I, they never run tunnel screens. I love the tunnel screen. It's a personal favorite of mine. I would love to see one. I think Jarvis Landry would be very good at it because he's very difficult to bring down once he gets this little bit of steam going. You got tight ends that can block it. Uh, let, let's go with that. You know, I, I, it's uh, you know, Betonio. I, I, I think I think there's going to be some some mentality. You guys know this when when a guy goes down. The guys who come in generally for one game, you can like pick it up. Like, okay, I got this guy's back, man. We're, we're gonna we're gonna do a little bit extra and help this this cover. Uh, I'm not sure how well that works in the playoffs. That's that's much more of a thing where you're you're you know going from week seven to week eight. But uh, I, I I don't expect it to be terrible. It's obviously not going to be as good as it would be with Batonia. But I I'm going to give them a little bit of credit there that the, the scheme and the familiarity and the fact that these guys have have, have practiced it a little bit. I don't think it's going to be. I think it's going to be better than what we saw you know with the the Chris Hubbard Chris Chris. Chris Hubbard, Greg Robinson tackle tandem last year. I, I don't expect that level of catastrophe. I don't expect uh, I don't expect Rod Johnson out there. Um, I, I'm, I'm hopeful that they will be able to do some things. Yeah, yeah. Uh, 
Yeah. What do you think, Jake, as far as uh, pass protection? How do they combat that? I know Hooper struggled on Sunday in pass protection, uh, big time. Um, you know, what What are they going to do? What do you think they do as far as, you know, buying Baker enough time when it does come to the play action? And, and a quick question for you. Why... Um, why do they seem to? Uh, I'm seeing a trend here of not roll. There's less. They're using the boot less and less against Pittsburgh. And uh, why do you have a? Re- do you think you know the reason for that, Jake? Yeah, ironically, I'm writing on that tonight. Uh, they don't do yeah. it a ton against odd front teams, right? They 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 don't <laughs> yeah. like. It's tough to do against odd front teams three fours, which are traditionally three fours are just five man fronts. They they have two outside backers. They play both. That's five two by nature. And those guys are wide players. So they play wide, and what they do crashing the backside is they don't have as big a responsibility for the backside because there's a zero nose, and, and they usually have a four-eye or a three-tech who can kind of honor that backside a little bit more. Uh, so they're traditionally better at being able to squeeze and play the boot. So you see less, uh, you know, the backside naked bootleg stuff, just just traditional play action. We saw, we saw it in the, in the last game. There was one that was designed, yeah. and Highsmith just blew past yeah. the- I forget which side it was, but uh, and it, it was completely taken away right away. And you're exactly right. It's a schematic thing. It is. It is. It's just tougher because those guys can 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 be slower players on the backside. Four, three guys, defensive ends are getting downfield. They're squeezing really tough. Like their job is to squeeze and cut off that backside. You know, when the teams run wide zone, you have three places you can go. You can bounce it, you can bang it up inside, or you can bend it to the backside. So their job is traditionally to take care of the bend cut on the backside. But if you have these two wide players, even sometimes those guys outside linebackers are, are wider than wide nines. They're wide players. Uh, they're, they're, they're at an angle, crashing inside, condensing pockets. They're able to move back. So you don't see a ton. You didn't see a ton of it against uh, uh, the Ravens. Didn't see a ton of it against the Jets because those are odd front teams. They don't like to do it too much unless you're up in the box and you say, hey, man, looks like Highsmith's really crashing that backside. we got to take advantage once or twice. It's an in-game adjustment type of thing that they can throw at him. So I would not expect a lot. They can still do their traditional counterplay action stuff now. The counterplay action stuff, to get back to Joe Batonio, they use him a ton, man. They'll pull him and leave him on an island against an outside back or an edge. Yeah. In. But they, they, how comfortable do they feel doing that this week? I don't know how comfortable they'll feel doing that. And if they're not comfortable, they're only going to feel comfortable putting Wyatt Teller in that situation. But they don't love to put Wyatt Teller in that situation. As talented as Teller is, it's just something they don't love to do. So uh, I think you're going to see less of You'll see Baker reach out. He'll come off the snap. He'll reach out, sell the counter run game. It's very slow developing. Um, you know, we used to just call it a it was a it was a five and belly step for a quarterback back in the day, where where you're five stepping, but off of it you're reaching out, you're selling football one way, fake the counter back to the running back, and then kind of set in a straight pocket. It ends up being seven total steps. They do it a lot. You've seen them do it. I know I could pull up a piece of film and show you, but they do it a ton. How often are they going to do it? How often are they going to feel comfortable in play action in general? I don't know. I don't love how much they left Hooper alone against an edge. I don't love leaving tight ends against outside linebackers or edges off at all. Unless you're going to do a two-on-one situation where you're max protecting, where you keep a couple tight ends on one guy. They've had success with that. So we'll see. Those two sacks I talked about they took earlier. They had a guy open, a two-man route, and Njoku on a dig wide open uh, that they could have hit him. But Baker slipped and fell trying to climb up the pocket there. There, There'll be opportunities. Like It'll be there, but – can they get by? Like Jeff said, can they hide whoever they play at guard? Can they hide them as best they can? Can they can they slide protection to give the center an opportunity to give a hand, a left hand out to him to give him an opportunity? I don't know. Somebody's like, well, you could just you could move some people. I said, I don't care who you move anywhere. They're gonna they're gonna put Cam Hayward wherever your weakness is. So right. um, you keep this in mind too. As I, I pass this back off, is 
if you look at Joe Batonio's career, he's never played that well against Pittsburgh. I don't know what it is. I don't know why it is. And typically it is because of Cam Hayward because he's just a tough SOB to handle for a 60-minute football game. But he's never been very good. I'm going to do some research on it tonight. But his worst game grades have typically been Pittsburgh. So, you know, I hate losing Joel for so many reasons, a myriad of reasons, relating some to football, some to not. Just the person he is and the guy he is and what he's been through, all that stuff. But can they find a way to get by with close to similar production if they give him some help, if they give a tight end some motion help, maybe a crack block? What I would do is the first or second play, I would wham block Cam Hayward. I would let him go upfield and I'd put a helmet right in his ear hole and slow his butt down from climbing upfield all game. I would just try to do some things to, to change Cam's eyesight, to make him think, okay, where's somebody coming from? Trap him, do some different things to mess with him. Um, I'm not I'm not an offensive coordinator, so we'll, we'll see if they do that. But but I would just do some things to slow. Like my focus would be how the hell do we stop Cam Hayward because he's going to be a problem, and yes. uh, hopefully they can figure out some things to do that. But, yeah, I'm with Jeff. They got to – whatever it takes, man, do some different things to slow that guy down because if you just leave him on an island, whoever plays guard, blam, whoever, you leave him on an island, he's going yeah, to – He's going to go three or four sacks. He's he's just a bull, man. Let me follow hey, up I, for a second, Jake. Yeah. Um, what do you what do you think about using Janovich more as possibly as as in that in that capacity more as a designated Cam Hayward blocker? For sure, um, you I, could put a stand back really on that much, but yeah. is, is that something you think he could do? It could certainly do that. I mean, you talked about the time they put uh, Chunt and and and, and um, uh, Chubb and Hunt on the field at the same time. That first snap of the Jets game, they kind of just ran them both on swing routes, kind of just yeah. a mirror, a smoke and mirror thing there. But in my opinion, you put Janovich on the field and you put you put Hunt in the backfield, let him run whatever route he wants to run, an option route out of the backfield, a Texas route, a flat route, a, a rail route, a, whatever. Do whatever you want that you can get him in the situation. But then leave Janovich inside too so that he can keep eyes on inside. Uh, and they've done that. There's been occasions where in single back situations they put Janovich back there um, is just like a solo protector just because like they know, hey, man, we're definitely passing, but we want somebody here we can trust a little bit in the blocking game. So they can get creative. I expect I would expect that they would get creative. Janovich can be a piece of things. You can put Janovich in a tight wing, and like I said earlier, you can you can wind him back and, and split zone concepts. And I would just I would leave Hayward guessing as much as I can. However, I can do that. They, there's ways it can be done. I would just uh, I would try to confuse, manipulate his eyes, and then slow him down however you can. Cut him a couple times. Do, do whatever you can to mess with him because if you let him get comfortable and you let him get that long arm going, you let him get the two-hand bull rush going, I'm telling you, Baker's going to really struggle. He's going to really struggle. Hey, I know both of you guys are on time constraints. If, if you guys have time, if you got to go, just give me a wave and you guys can dip out whenever you need to. I want to move to the defense side of the ball real quick here uh, while I have you both. Um, okay, uh, so a trend that I noticed. Well, first of all, good news. B.J. Goodson came back. Uh, I'm going to talk a little bit about it later as I sent a tweet out on the exact day that each guy went on the COVID list. And then we see him come off on the 12th day. I don't know what what that means. I know it's 10 is the exact day, but we're going to kind of examine that later as we look at Denzel Ward cutting it really close on Sunday and will he be able to play health-wise? We just really have no idea. They haven't given us any update, but that's absolutely huge. I thought Robert Jackson held his own for the most part, surprisingly. A couple pass breakups. Um, what what do you guys think defensively? I, I heard Jacob Phillips in a, in a quick interview on Browns Daily kind of slip up, I don't know if he meant to do it, but say, yeah, we're kind of changing everything this week in the interview. Um, and I thought that that was interesting that he said that, and I kind of keyed on that. Uh, go ahead, Jake. Thoughts on the defensive side of the ball? Yeah, I'm going to go real quick because i got to run. Um, 
wife's wife sent me a text. You guys know how that goes. Uh, yeah. So yes, sir. <laughs> as much as we talked about Stefanski and what the offense is going to change, I think the defense has to do as many different things as they can possibly do. I did not think they blitzed a ton. Uh, the time that they did blitz, a few times they did blitz, they, they did a nice job of overloading the left side, sent Jacob Phillips through the right side A-gap and uh, got into Mason's face, made him throw that floater into MJ Stewart's hand. So I think they just wanted to get a feel for how to manipulate Pittsburgh's pre- uh, pass protection setup, how they're going to slide to certain looks, and, and maybe they'll attack it that way this week. I don't, I don't know. I expect them to, to throw some, some wrinkles at Ben. They have to. They cannot just let Ben – Sit there. The, Pittsburgh's going to throw their traditional crossing. They love to throw mesh. They love to throw crossers. Ben loves to dump it off to somebody right in front of his face before they get downfield. Uh, I like having BJ back because he's a solid inside run game player. I think he's going to help, obviously, immensely. Uh, but I like keeping Jacob Phillips on the field. However, I can keep him on the field. He plays at a different speed when he's right. And I thought he's finally he looked right this past week. He was really flying around the field. I don't know if Jacob's going to be a long-term Mike, but I think he might be a Will hybrid player that you can play outside the box and have him cover and run with people and, and also blitz effectively. So I hope to keep him, but I, I don't know. I would expect you guys, you know, I, I, having been around it, playing a team back to back weeks that you would have a ton of things up your sleeve. I think that you should try yes. to throw, I, I say it's an empty the clip game is the phrase I use. Like everything you saved mm-hmm. up, everything you think could work in any situation. They haven't run a fake punt since week one, have one up your sleeve. They haven't run a fake field goal this year. Have something up your sleeve. Any trick plays reverse Jarvis throwing it, whatever do it, have it up and ready to go, man, because this is, uh, you know, you're already shorthanded, but if you win this one, it can get interesting because you can get some guys back. So I would do whatever you can to make it happen. And, and I hope they do defensively. I hope they, they play a lot of defensive backs to, I'm not afraid of Pittsburgh running football. I'm just not afraid of James Conner. I'm not afraid of any Snell that much, man. So like no. I would, I would make Ben uncomfortable with heavy defensive back settings and, and, uh, and blitz him, go crazy, do, do some different things. And hopefully we, we see them do that, and hopefully they can uh, they can settle in with Joe Woods this week. But but at the end of the day, like Jeff said at the very beginning of the show, find a way to create turnovers, man. Whatever it takes, rip, ripping the ball, punching the ball, whatever whatever thing you got to do to to make a couple turnovers. It's going to be whoever makes some plays. So hopefully the Browns on the right side of it. I'm out, guys. I, I appreciate you having me on, Brad, so much. Jeff, it's great to see you, buddy. Hopefully we catch up again soon. Absolutely, thank you. Jay Burns, the OBR. Thank you very much, sir. Have a good evening. All right, Jeff. I know you just got a couple minutes yourself here, yeah. but let's uh, let's yeah. uh, let's hit on this here real quick. Uh, yeah. Defensively, uh, what's up with this? Okay, so I noticed this trend: the deep ball with these. Uh, so we saw them throw a ton of jump balls just to get back in the game with Mason Rudolph, right? Very successful. Took me back to Duck Hodges. Last year, couldn't move the ball against us. He started throwing jump balls to James Washington, and they beat us in that game. He caught like four of them, remember? Uh, yes. What Do you think that they are going to go back to that? Because their natural tendency with Ben is to do everything underneath. Uh, yeah. It seems they, they like when love, they have... They love to hit. They love to get your... your, your your guy leaning one way and then throwing it the other way to make him... So they they love the, the yards after the catch, and they're very good at it. They, they get Claypool going across there. They get Deontay Johnson going across. They get, you know, Juju will do it. Um, in a way, to me, that's a little bit more preferable because then you're making Ben be at least a somewhat accurate. Um, yes. Whereas down, downfield, one of the things that, that it was killing me last week, and, and MJ Stewart finally did it, was they followed a blitz by playing underneath coverage and, and making him, hey, throw the ball over this, dude, and he didn't yeah. do it. 
Um, when he has time, that, that's Mason Rudolph is not a great quarterback, but he does throw the deep ball outside very well. He did it in Oklahoma State fantastically um, to James Washington, interestingly enough. That's not Ben's game. Um, he's much better at, at hitting a moving target on you know the 5- to 15-yard route. That seems to be where he's very comfortable. That seems to be the focal point of their offense. If you can have B.J. Goodson in there, if you can have Jacob Phillips, um, like Jake said, you know the, he ran fantastic last week. He looked really, really spry. He did. I, I would love to see him get more involved in coverage. Um, it would be it would be fantastic if Mac Wilson could contribute something besides running past a tackle. Uh, that would be great. Um, um, wrap this, up, man. He just doesn't dude, wrap up. Oh him God, and Sandejo. Yeah. yeah. So Sandejo. Yeah. He's good. I, I think his timeline is such that he will be out for this game. But Denzel can be back. Um, and there's a couple other guys that could be back. Um, we don't know that yet. But getting Goodson back is great. He was the team's leading tackler this year. Yes. And um, not all of the tack. He has a little bit of the Joe Schobert in him and that most of his tackles are four or five yards away from the line of scrimmage. Um, Jacksonville's figuring out now that they overpaid for that very badly. Yeah. Uh, but – he was playing better, especially in the last couple of games before he, he, he got diagnosed. And I, I, I would like to see that because he is a guy who can contain that specifically that they love to run out of a trips formation. He can, he's very good at identifying which guy to pick up out of that. Uh, hopefully the safety is behind him. Hopefully Ronnie Harrison is back uh, and, and well, um, and, and can, can, they can have that communication because Pittsburgh thrives on messing you up out of those multiple formations out of pre-snap motion um, getting you to, to hey, point, point, you're pointing when they snap the ball. That that's something that you have to avoid, and you can you can you can get around that. Um, Jake mentioned the blitz. I, I do hope that they blitz more. Phillips is good at it. Mac Wilson, while he doesn't finish, is pretty good at getting into the backfield and creating the pressure. Anyways, Ben does not move at all anymore, uh, so he's a little bit more of a stationary target than what Rudolph is even. Yeah, so there, there are some opportunities there to to speed up their clock, to disrupt the timing on their plays. I think that's going to be critical. Um, and they hope that they make a mistake, and you hope that your guys can make the play. Um, if a ball lands in Carl Joseph's arm, he needs to, he needs to finish that catch. You know, on a jump ball. Uh, God, please, please get back, to Denzel. That'd be great. Please. Yeah. Uh, he's a guy who can win those. Um, Robert Jackson, to your point, I thought he had some good reps. Um, he. For a guy who's your number seven cornerback and he was playing as your number two, I never played, uh, uh, you know, six six downs, I think, before yeah. that ever. He was, um, he was acceptable. Um, obviously, yeah. you don't want him out there playing, you know, 50 snaps again. But if he needs to play 15, I think you feel a little bit better about that. It'd be great if he could locate the ball a little bit better. Um, and that's something that he can work on. And something that he yes. can watch the film and be like, oh, man, if I would have turned my head, you know, one count earlier, or if I could have seen the receiver, you know, maybe starting to get his hand ready to catch the ball. Um, because I don't think he picked up on those cues very well. And if he can see that on film and the coaches can get that on film with him, like, oh, okay, I, all right, I can, I can do that. And I, I'm hopeful that those type of things can help the defense improve because uh, Pittsburgh is going to be a different animal when they got uh, when they got Ben back there. It sounds like Eric Ebron is going to be available for them. Uh, he he did t- he is on their COVID list and he is supposed to come back. Uh, I think Saturday he he went on the same day as Denzel. So if one gets back, the other would get back. He is oh boy, he's an enigma. Um, he is, yeah. He is sort of what David Njoku is, but less reliable. 
Um, and they yeah. but they use they use him a lot more. They lean on him because their other tight ends aren't very good. Um, right. The the guy Raider who came in, I'd, I'd never seen him play before. He actually played okay, but that, that's not a guy that you're going to be worried about. Yeah. yeah the, the, I, I'm all for disrupting the timing. Um, maybe it'll sound crazy, but um, with Olivier Vernon out, that side of the field, you're not going to get it. Porter Gustin has been a disappointment for me all season. This would be a great chance for him to redeem himself. He is not the same kind of guy, though. He is much more of a bull. Um, he, he, he's going to need to make – he's a physical guy. He's going to make contact. He's not going to be the guy that could drop, you know, three to five yards when, when the tight end is out there. So right. maybe, maybe you're going to see more of, like, a guy like Joe Jackson or uh, maybe you'll see um, – oh, his name's escaping me now. But uh, diff, different – Claiborne. Claiborne? Yes, yes, yes Claiborne. And, and Claiborne played inside last week, and I thought he did a good job on that one play uh, yeah. for sure. There, there are opportunities to mix and match things there. Um, losing Vernon is a huge loss. I, I, it is. I he was playing really good football. He was. Um, eight sacks in the last eight games. Um, was playing better than Miles, quite honestly, since Miles has come back. Uh, and that's 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 going to be very difficult to replace. You scheme that by, by bringing in more speed onto the field. I hope that they can get that working. Uh, that would not be Joe Jackson. Um, maybe, maybe Vincent Taylor, God bless him, man. I, I ripped that guy a lot. Dude played, he played hard. He, he, he played good. good. He did. Hey, he's blocked a couple extra points in field goals too. He, he gets up there and, and, uh, yeah, he played well uh, for a couple downs. I think he got, didn't he get a tackle for a loss or a sack he, he or did. something? He, he did. He got a quarterback pressure and uh, forced a throw away on a third down too. So there, yeah. There, there's, there's a chance that you could have your unsung hero. Malcolm Smith, the ultimate unsung hero. This guy was the Super Bowl MVP on a team where he wasn't a regular start. He didn't even start that game. He needs another game. You need somebody to step up like that to have you know, your unexpected hero. On, on, on defense, it could be Malcolm Smith. It could be it could be Sheldrick Redwine, which would be the most unexpected of all surprises. Uh, uh, but that would be he, uh, he's due, maybe, maybe. He's due. He's certainly I want to see. Football. I want to see Tedrick Thompson. I, I don't know why yeah. they haven't played him yet. Uh, you yeah. know, they got very thin back there. I mean, at some point, you just got to put your best football players on the field. I feel like I, I would like to see him. He is a guy. I, I saw him in college at Colorado. He went. He went in. I saw him at the Big House in Michigan. He picked off two passes in that game. He led the yeah. NCAA in interceptions his senior year. That guy can make plays. Let's get him out there and see what he can do. I'm, I'm with you on that. Yeah. Um, uh, are you got? Do you have a couple more minutes? Or you got to go. Like, here? I got like uh, like three more minutes. <laughs> All right, three more minutes here with you, uh, Baker. Okay, uh, kind of a poor first half, but played much better in the second half, which I think is absolutely key because there's something to okay going into this game with everybody counting you out, your head coach gone, some players gone. And uh, nothing to lose. Like a team with nothing to lose and playing free and easy, and especially Baker with that attitude, is a dangerous football team, in my opinion. Do you agree? Absolutely. And we need the Oklahoma Baker this week. We need we need the guy who planted the flag in the horseshoe. Yes. Um, as, as offensive as that is. Personally, uh, that I, I want to see that kind of guy come back. That. They need that this week. They need the guy unfurling the, the the proverbial flag on the sideline. That that's 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 something that can work against Pittsburgh. It's, for one thing, Pittsburgh does have a team that will get distracted by those things. They're, they're yes. to, they they will retaliate. They will get tied up in that crap. 
Baker incites that kind of crap better than anybody. Jarvis Landry does too, for that matter. I'm not opposed to getting a, a taunting call for juice. Um, we've, he came damn close last week. He got one the, the game before yep. that. That's not the worst idea against Pittsburgh as, as much as I generally have that as a, as a major no, no. Um, because the, you got to do something to, to disrupt Pittsburgh, and that that could do it. I mean, what if you know you, you get exchanging personal fouls or something like that? That's that, normally again. I, I I am very against that, but I it's not the end of the world in this game. You know, do something different, shake it up a little bit, because if you just go out there and try to play the game that you just played against the Steelers team that didn't have all those guys on it, and play the game that they played, you're going to lose. You've got yes. to do something different. You've got to execute better. You got to shake it up. Um, I don't think this game is a, a definite loss. They have paths to victory. They have to execute, like Jake and I have been harping on. They got to get a couple of turnovers, um, steal a possession or two. Jamie Gillen has to have a great game. He needs to be. He had a very good game last week, I thought, other than one punt. I think he's he's rounding in the form. If he can get a couple of drives where they're starting inside their own ten, and you get a three and out, that that that's that's free yards, baby. That that's the type of thing yep. that you have to get done. Yeah, absolutely. I just think uh, you know they're gonna they're gonna try the run game and everything, and you know I think that the, you know the Steelers are probably gonna say, hey, we're gonna stop the run first, and we're gonna make Baker beat us, and and uh, I I don't I'm not opposed to I mean he get if he gets hot, he they're not the way, invincible. The way, he, the way he played against the Giants, if if that Baker shows up, they can win this game. Or the Titans, right? Yeah, yeah absolutely. Exactly. So uh, if he shows up hot like that and they are uh, off balance or or whatever, this defense isn't the same defense that, that we no. saw maybe early this season, late last season at all. Um, and certainly the offense is not – uh, you know, I'm going to ask Ike Taylor a couple questions about what he's seen, but you know, their offense has been hard to watch the past four or five weeks at times, very abysmal. Uh, you hope that the Browns, you know, could key on that tape and find a way to keep that going for them and keep those struggles on Ben because it kind of snowballs on them, right? It does. It very much does. And they, remember, they lead the league and dropped passes by a lot. Ben does get frustrated. He will let his receivers know it. Um, yes. If you again, if if you're Robert Jackson and Juju drops a touchdown pass that where you got beat on it, get in his face. Let him know. Let him know. Hey, man, you 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 blew it. You know. Yeah. Get in the face, all the better. Normally, I hate taunting. You can ask my kids about. It. I, I I tell them never say a word. Um, yeah. Spoken to first on that front. Uh, I don't hate the idea of taking a little bit of swagger into this game and, and see how Pittsburgh responds to it. It might not work, but again, if you just if you just try to play your best fifty three against their best fifty, their their best fifty three are better than yours right now because of COVID and because of injuries that have happened. That's that's unfortunate. That doesn't mean you're going to lose. That just means that you have to you have to do things that get them off their game. And I think that's something that is going to be tougher with Stefanski not there, but uh, at the same time, it's. There's a there's a lot of variables into this game that Pittsburgh doesn't know from Cleveland, um, whereas they have a track record in the postseason. And I, I hope you ask Ike about that, about what it's like having that experience factor and how much of a, of a difference it will be for the Browns players playing in their first game versus all these Pittsburgh guys who've been there you know time and time again. 
Um, and if, if he thinks that the Browns can get an edge off that, because I, I do, I think some of the Browns certainly will be like, oh, man, this, this is my chance to shine. We're on Sunday Night Football here. Hell yeah, man. Bring it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it, no crowd. It's going to be right. cold. No crowd. It's different. It's different than the terrible towels and the intimidation. It should feel right. totally different. They should feel like they have nothing to lose. Jeff, you're outstanding. You're a gentleman and a scholar, as always. I appreciate you. I know you got to go. Thank, Thank you, you so much for your time, man. All right, take care. All right. All right, so uh, that was a, a, a fury uh, fast and furious uh, uh, 30 minutes there of football. I hope you took all that in. We're going to look at a couple things here, uh, but we're going to take a quick break here uh, to just say thank you to those guys, and uh, let me reset. We'll have uh, – uh, the, our third and final guest of the night, uh, as that was Jeff Risden, managing editor of the Browns Wire, also my boss, where I write over there at USA Today Sports Media Group's The Browns Wire. Check it out. We'll have a piece up here in uh, this weekend. Um, and uh, busy week this week, as far as that goes. I'll be on Turning Points. Uh, it's a uh, podcast tomorrow night at 9 p.m. Uh, Eastern. Uh, you can find that where all popular podcasts are, town, uh, are found. That. And then I'll be on a wild card weekend preview on the full Monty show on Saturday morning. Uh, so that's good. Uh, and that was uh, a fury of football from two very smart football men, Jake Burns of the OBR and Jeff Riston of uh, the Browns Wire. I'll be right back after this quick. We're back. It's all eyes on Cleveland. Weekend special edition, baby. Yes, sir. You start getting excited. That's right. Uh, a huge, massive uh, playoff game. Sunday night, primetime, uh, Sunday night football. We'll have Ike Taylor joining us here from the Pittsburgh Steelers two-time Super Bowl champion momentarily to ask him a few questions. I uh, hope you enjoyed Jake Burns and Jeff Risden while we had him. I wanted to take a look at this with you real quick. Big concerns here as far as who the Browns are going to get back. Uh, we know the protocol is 10 days the day they tested positive i sent this tweet out earlier this week let me see if i can bring this up for us real quick and i want to take a look at this okay uh so here we have uh the uh tweet here uh and you can see uh the days that they hit protocol so today was uh goodson right so goodson came back today he went on the list on the 26th bryant 
Sendejo on the 29th. So if you're going by this, and I think that if you count the days, Goodson was actually gone for 12 days. I think you only need to be gone for 10 days. So with the game being played on the 10th, technically, by my estimation, you could get all of these guys back. You already got Goodson back. You could get Bryant and Sandejo here tomorrow or the next day and Ward and Malcolm Smith on Saturday or Sunday. Now, that's cutting it close, especially if they had actual COVID conditions, right? So if they were affected by the illness itself, not asymptomatic, which I don't know the details of that. I don't think anybody does. Uh, to this point, we just know that Stefanski is, uh, sorry, uh, Stefanski is, uh, uh, you know, asymptomatic. Uh, but these guys uh, could be back, right? I would expect for sure Brian Sandejo to be back. Uh, there's something to be said for Sandejo, you know, as bad as he is, being a veteran and just being in the right spot. Sometimes there's certainly something to say for that. Obviously, Ward is the biggest name on this list. If you get him back, that's absolutely huge and something that that they definitely need uh, to try to take advantage of. Malcolm Smith has been absolutely huge for them uh, in the secondary, so that's another that's another guy that you want to have back uh, for Sunday night's game, um, certainly. And then you see here on the list as well. Uh, the guys that are out for sure. So Kevin Johnson will be out for sure. Ten days isn't going to cut it. Batonio out for sure and Hodge out for sure. Uh, so wild card weekend, you'll get six games, three Saturday, three Sunday. Here's your list, though. I thought this was interesting. Now, 12 days for Goodson. Tw- why 12? I'm not sure. Uh, but Bryant... And Sandejo should be able to come back tomorrow, technically, if you go by the calendar. Ward and Smith Saturday, if you go by uh, the calendar. Uh, So, um, because that was the day that they did. Well, I think Smith actually tested positive before that, uh, and Ward did too. But that's the day they actually went on the list. So, the actual, I mean, that only benefits their timeline, though. Because the actual writing of the rule reads uh, based on the day that they went on the actual, or the day that they actually test positive, pardon me, not on the list, the day that they test tested positive. Uh, real quickly, I wanted to uh, look at this picture as well while we're here. Uh, this tweet, saw this just before the show. Uh, and and uh, I can ask Ike about it if we if we want to here. Uh, hopefully, we get him on here in a minute. Uh, Mikey is working that in real time. Uh, so, uh, but Brooke Pryor, uh, this is Juju today. Uh, this is Juju today uh, in his interview. Uh, not sure what Juju's problem is. But this is kind of absurd, the things that he's saying now. Um, Things really went off the rails at the end of Juju's Zoom today, says Brooke Pryor. 
Asked about what makes Denzel Ward good, Juju said, I think he's good because his name is really cool. Well, I appreciate that. Uh, if he's talking about the last name Ward, I really appreciate that, uh, Juju. That's awesome of you because I share that name with him. Uh, he wears number 21. I think he's light-skinned, so he probably gets a lot of girls, unquote. That's uh, from the always genius Juju Smith-Schuster. Uh, not sure what that's all about, but, uh, you know, the Browns don't need any any uh, bulletin board material this week. They don't need any of that. They're being counted out already. Uh, and like I said, there's a lot to be said for playing uh, free and loose here. So uh, we'll we'll get, uh, I think Ike is uh, efforting us right now. So uh, we're going to get him on here in a minute. And I want to talk to him about, um, let me get my Ike Taylor notes ready here. But I want to talk to him about a few things with, uh, uh, whoops. They're work, working this out here on the uh, technical end. And as soon as we have them on, I'll, I'll bring them on the air here. But uh, 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 we might have him. I believe we have him. Uh, let's uh, let's see if we got him here, okay? Good job, Mikey. Mr. Ike Taylor, how we doing, sir? I'm good, bro. How you doing? I'm doing fantastic. Thanks for making the time for us tonight. Man, I appreciate y'all. How y'all doing? We're doing great, man. Um, wanted to uh, uh, just get your thoughts on this uh, this massive game on Sunday night, right? Uh, and uh, get your thoughts on things. We've got a year defensive back with the Steelers two-time Super Bowl champion and host of the Believe in Steelers podcast. Um, the Steelers, uh, will they come out and in this playoff game, uh, Ike, still try to establish the run? Or do you think, do you think that they're going to just go out in this game and, and stick to what got them there as far as, as, as Ben in the short passing game and that's kind of like their go-to, right? Or do you think they still try to establish a run because it's that important in playoff games? Nah, I think they're gonna. I think they're just gonna stick to what got them there. You know, if you, yeah. if you just listen to Coach Tomlin, um, he don't care about how we got there. He just want to get in the tournament, as he would say. So, I look at the Pittsburgh Steelers as if I don't really think they're tripping on the run game. You know, they ain't really been tripping on the run game or, or pressuring or it's been an issue, or it's been a focal point this year on the run game. It's been all on seven, and that's Big Ben. So I think for the playoffs, um, they're going to deal with the short passes. They're going to live or die by the short passes. So that's what I think personally. Yeah, definitely. Uh, that's where that's kind of what I thought too. And then, you know, uh, they have hit. You know, Mason was putting up the deep ball against the Browns, and they had some success with that. So I'm sure they can set some things up with that short pass as well. Uh, so let me ask you this, Ike, personally, in your career, uh, did you uh, – There, I'm sure there's a few instances that you played teams three times. In fact, I know with the Ravens. Did you ever play a team back-to-back like that, Week 17 in the playoffs? 
No, I don't know. I know with the Ravens, we did play them three times. Um, we split one, and we wound up winning the playoff one in Pittsburgh. But as far as, like, back-to-back, I don't think that ever happened, not to my – not to what, nothing what? I can think of. Yeah, what do you okay? So is that is that weird to play a team three times? And how weird would it be to play a team back to back like that? Like like how would you have to approach the game differently? I mean, you want to want to change a lot, right? No, nah, as as a football player, as a player, you don't think like that. All you think about is one letter in the alphabet, and that's a W. You 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 don't care if you play the Baltimore Ravens six times. You don't care if you play the Kansas City Chiefs six times. You don't care if you play the Cleveland Browns six times. By the end of the day, our legacy, how we get paid, how people respond and think of us is by winning football games. And that's that's the bottom line. Coaches coaches get fired when they're, you know, below five hundred. When you like a coach time, then you don't get fired. So it, it that's that's just what it is as a player. Like we don't care about how many times. For us as a player, it's pick a time, pick a place, pick a park, on plane. <laughs> I like that. All right. Um, so as far as the back-to-back goes, though, the scheme, I mean, like, uh, it's for the Browns, certainly. They don't have their head coach, right? Uh, that's going to be a big difference. They're, they've, they're losing players to COVID. Uh, the Steelers are getting a lot of their best players back. So they're kind of really have their backs up against the wall. Uh, is there any, let me ask you your opinion on this, as being the underdog kind of like the Browns are going to be, is is there any advantage to being free on the other end of the pressure? Like last week there was a lot of pressure on the Browns to must win, and I felt like they played really tight, right? Uh, and then this week it's kind of like, hey, we're here and they can play a little more free and easy. Is there an advantage to that as a player? Nah. I mean, I, I, I don't know because all I know is Pittsburgh and all I know is we've been winning a lot and that's just over tradition coming from that family, the Rooney family and starting with Chuck Noll on down to Coach Coward to, to, to Coach Tomlin. I just named three in about 50 years. So when you look at that, you look at stability and you look at it as a organization, they figured it out. And how you figure it out, you figure it out by just leaning on your coaches and understanding that your players come first. So when it comes down to 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 what you're saying, who's in, who's out, who got the pressure, or do who doesn't have pressure, I felt like for a couple of years when we was at our best, we had more pressure in practice than we did in games. Interesting. Matt, that, that I'm sure that goes to tremendous coaching right there. Um, it, the uh, situation is going to be weird Sunday night, right? So it's in Pittsburgh, nobody there, it's cold, it's nighttime, but you're in prime time and it's the playoffs, right? Uh, a couple Steelers players commented throughout this, this year and some other guys around the NFL where they had – they kind of said that they had a tough time getting uh, ready for the beginning of games at times without the crowds and stuff. It's a little bit different, right? Uh, I'm sure that wouldn't be the case at a playoff game like this, right? No, what you got to understand is since we was – I mean, 
I don't know if you go to games, but you go to games for the excitement. You go to games for the atmosphere. You go to games yes. to be a fan. So picture, you go to games for entertainment. You go to games for experiences. So picture you being a player, and you're there to entertain all these people. Like yeah. just, but you've been doing this since you was seven, eight, nine years old. So now you come through this pandemic, and it's like, dang, depending on which state I'm in, either we have nobody in there or we just got a few people in there. But by the end of the day, you only as good as your resume. And what's your resume? Your resume is what you put on tape. And that's all yeah. that we've known as a Pittsburgh Steeler. We don't care whether it's one person in the stadium or 100,000 people in the stadium. By the end of the day, your resume and what you put on tape is your walking and talking resume. So that's how we always looked at it, being a Pittsburgh Steelers. As far as, uh, let me ask you this question. Denzel Ward may be available. He may not be available for the game. We're not sure, right? But if he is available, he would be coming off of like 10 days of nothing. Um, how much would that affect you? Would would you be able to play as a defensive back like that to just be? I mean, I don't know what he's been able to do. I don't know what his symptoms are. But being away from football football for ten days, could you just walk on the field and play personally? Mentally, you can. Physically, you won't know till you actually get in the game. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Like mentally, I'm always check in, but my body might be telling me something different so he might gotta (laughs) get acclimated yeah he might gotta it's just like having the flu having pneumonia catching the cold like mentally i'm gonna check in but my body telling me man nah not today like what we doing you know so you just gotta fight that part so for Denzel ward um he probably won't get it or understand he'll know after the first series whether his body is in tune whether he's kind of sluggish on what he has to fight throughout the game yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Uh, I mean, certainly the adrenaline, I'm sure, and everything like that would be a factor to get you started. But uh, I know after the adrenaline wears off, that's a, a reality check body-wise. And, uh, uh, all right, so the Steelers are littered with veteran players, right, who have, have been – a lot of them have been in the playoffs before uh, and have playoff experience. The Browns have very minimal playoff experience at all. How big of an issue is that? Is that going to be huge, a huge disadvantage just because of the experience? I don't, I don't think it's a huge disadvantage. I do think it's a disadvantage, and the reason why is because we've been here before. Like – the stage ain't too big. The moment ain't too big. And as players in Pittsburgh, we talked about this all the time. Pressure bus pipes. And it's usually either you're a player or a play caller in tough situations as a coach in the game. So the experience will help, I think, Pittsburgh. But um, I don't think it's a big disadvantage so far. Let me uh, ask you this. I'm interested to get your thoughts on this, Ike. What What have you thought of uh, of Juju Smith-Schuster's uh, uh, actions this season? Not actions. 
I mean, he's just playing around. He's having fun. Whatever. The dancing, right? All the dancing. Because I always associated, and I, and I don't know, and you played for the Steelers. You can tell me this if I'm out of line for this. But I always associated the Steelers when I was growing up with watching, like, as as not being about, like, the dancing and stuff, of just kind of being more hard-nosed and that stuff. And he kind of brings that to the table. And then I don't know if you saw his quote tonight. Did you see his quote tonight? Today on Zoom about Denzel. Oh, okay. Let me read you this. Let me read you this real quick, okay? Uh, all right. So th- this is his quote today uh, on Zoom, all right? Uh, this is a tweet from Brooke Pryor uh, at, at uh, B. Pryor on Twitter. Things really went off the rails at the end of Juju's Zoom today. Asked about what makes Denzel Ward good. Juju said, I think he's good because his name is really cool. He wears number 21. I think he's light-skinned, so he probably gets a lot of girls. Um. <laughs> what, what is that about? I don't I don't I don't really know what that's about. I know Juju is uh he's very comfortable in his own skin. This is what people gotta understand about Juju. Juju Juju did play defense at USC before he played wide receiver. That's one thing people don't understand about Juju. Juju Juju if if, if Coach Tomlin wants to run the ball forty times a game Juju would come across your helmet on the side of your temple and smack you on it. So, in, in my perspective, whether you're a linebacker, a defensive end, or a safety or a corner, people better be glad that Coach Tomlin ain't calling for a lot of these run plays because usually receivers, they don't like blocking. Juju yeah. don't even mind not blocking. He wants to inflict pain while he's blocking so yeah, okay, Juju looking at it like y'all y'all want to talk about my dancing, but I've been doing this since I got into the league. Like yeah, this, we ain't talking about Big Ben all of a sudden dancing on the mask. <laughs> Juju been yeah. doing this since he stepped into the league. Right. So when when there was eleven when there was eleven and zero, it wasn't an issue. They lost a few games. It was after they lost. Yeah. It became an issue. So. Coach T, of course, he's going to check it as a head coach. But Coach T, in the back of his mind, like, this is just Juju. This this, this ain't nothing new with Juju. So if y'all want right. to create, meaning us, the media, if y'all want to create this narrative, have at it. But one thing I do know, when you want to talk about uh, 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 a Heinz Ward that didn't mind blocking, a Santonio Holmes that didn't mind blocking, Emmanuel Sanders that didn't mind blocking. Now you got to talk about Juju who don't mind blocking. So that's what I don't understand. Like I, I heard people talk about it all the time, and the first thing I tweeted was, "Man, Juju, keep doing your thing because that's you." And you you was doing that whether y'all was six and ten, whether y'all was eleven and zero. That's just been you. Like everybody knows Juju off of social media. Yeah. Absolutely. I, I understand that completely. Uh, I, I would always wonder what, like, Coach Tomlin would say, but you're right. I mean, that makes sense. You want the guys to be comfortable with who they And the one thing you can say about him, you're absolutely right, and that's something that I've made a point to people, is Juju will go over the middle more than anybody. And, I mean, he takes pain. He gets hit. He's, I mean, the guy is tough as 
going over the middle, catching the ball, as you said, blocking downfield. So his toughness isn't a factor. It's just maybe just something that he enjoys doing, I guess. But, you, I mean, it, I wonder if it becomes an issue when you see, like, teams like Buffalo who really keyed on it and made it a big part of it as they were beating them, right? You know what I mean? Uh, uh, and Buffalo, afterwards. Buff, Buffalo just matches up well with Pittsburgh, personnel-wise. Mm-hmm. That's all that mm-hmm. was. If you look at Coach Frazier on the defense coordinator, um, I think he I think he presents the toughest matchups in the second half. So his adjustment, his adjustment game is real good. So Buffalo, and then when you look at Pittsburgh, man, if they're not catching the ball deep, all they're gonna throw is short passes. And you ain't really tripping on their run game because they really haven't had a run game. So I think personnel wise, right. that's what it comes up to. Um I look at I look at uh I look at footballs like boxing. You know what I'm saying? Like sometimes matchups are better than others, and that and that's how it is. Right. I think Buffalo matches up well with Pittsburgh. I think the Cleveland Browns, um, if they stick to their running game, matches up well with Pittsburgh. You know, but at the same time, that's just going to be on the offensive coordinator and see how the game go. But Pittsburgh, for the most part, man, and just just football in generals. In general, it has a lot to do with just being matched up on who you're playing. Yeah, yeah, it makes a lot of sense. Their teams that match up better with others, uh, based on personnel and based on scheme and all that stuff, right? Um, so uh, I I always uh, listen to your show before you come on, and I I heard your partner talking to you, calling you Ike the Psychic, right, uh, yeah. on your show. Uh, the, so people got to go check out the Believe in Steelers podcast. Uh, it's found where all popular podcasts are found for sure, where Ike is on uh, his podcast there. So, Ike the Psychic, uh, what do you got going on in this game on Sunday night? Uh, uh, I'm sure you like the Steelers in this game, uh, but uh, what what do you see going, how this plays out on Sunday night? Yeah, I think Pittsburgh winning this game. I think how you talked about earlier, Brad, the experience, the lights, um, the the pressure, uh, Pittsburgh ain't going to fall on this game. I think, though, if the Cleveland Browns um, can stick, can stick to their run game, just, just stick to their run game, which will open up their passing game, they might have a chance. But by the end of the day, I think Pittsburgh getting uh getting their starters back. Cause don't forget their starters was the the major starters wasn't playing in the game against Cleveland and they beat them 24-22. So I think with the starters on point and playing on Saturday, Pittsburgh got a slight advantage. What does Cleveland have to do to beat them? I mean, is there a recipe to do that? Uh, I mean, I know no head coach. They're going to be down shorthanded players. They they really got their backs against the wall, especially with Pittsburgh starters coming back. I mean, is there is there a path for them to beat them? Between Chubbs and Kareem Hunt, they got to have between 35 and 40 carries. And, and that'll be hard to do, especially if they fall behind. It's the biggest thing, right? So, it, but, you know, it's, it's, it's still, it's still, it's still sticking to, it's still sticking to the run game. You know, if you, if you, and the reason why I say this, if you look, if you was, if you watched the Tennessee and Houston game last week, 
Houston was on their way on coming back to beating and had a chance to beat the Tennessee Titans. Yeah. The Tennessee yeah. Titans did what? The, 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 the tighter the game got, the more handoffs they gave to Derrick Henry. You know what I'm saying? Yep. So that and, yep. and I think I think as as a duo, as a duo, Cleveland got the best tandem at running backs in the game. Between Kareem Hunt and, and, and Chubbs, there's no better backfield. I call them Tyson and Holyfield sitting in the backfield. There's no better backfield in the NFL than Cleveland Browns. So if they can really lean on that, and that's controlling the clock, whether we're up or down, that's giving our defense a rest, whether we're up or down, that's pounding the football in Pittsburgh still the defense, whether we're up and down. And hopefully, by the time we get to that third and fourth quarter, we can have those big games. That's what I think the Cleveland Browns recipe should be. Yeah, try to wear them down with the run. Uh, keep guys fresh. It makes a lot of sense, uh, especially when they, you know, they're going to have major concerns uh, with the pass rush with Watt and Hayward back. And uh, there was four sacks last week. And I just think that uh, the more you run the ball at those guys and instead of, you know, worrying about them pressuring Baker, the better off you'll be. Uh, I think it'll be hard if they fall behind, though, especially, you know, they don't have their head coach there. They got a guy calling plays that hasn't been calling plays all year. Does that, uh, I mean, does that change the way Pittsburgh prepares for that? Will they go as deep as to look at, at his tendencies as a play caller? Uh, Alex Van Pelt, or will they kind of stick to what what Cleveland usually does? Cleveland Cleveland got in the playoffs because of Nick Chubbs and Kareem Hunt. And I love Baker Mayfield. So I don't care who calling the plays. We got to run the ball. I don't – Baker Mayfield had his best year because of Nick Chubbs and Kareem Hunt. Point blank, period. So when you think about Cleveland, you're thinking about, yeah, Baker Mayfield had an outstanding year as one of our quarterbacks, but why? Okay, they got a dude named Nick Chubbs and Kareem Hunt sitting in that backfield. <laughs> so that's yeah. I don't care who, if you if anybody play Madden and they playing with the Cleveland Browns, they understand. Let me establish this run <laughs> with Kareem Hunt and Nick <laughs> Chubbs for sure. Um. Thank you so much for your time, Mike. I appreciate you coming on, man. You're so gracious to come on for a second time uh, on All Eyes on Cleveland. And uh, I implore everybody out there to go check out the Believe in Steelers podcast on the Believe uh, Podcast Network. Uh, You're a good man, Ike. Thank you so much, sir. All right. Have a good one. All right. So that was Ike Taylor of the Pittsburgh Steelers, two-time Super Bowl champion. Uh, Got a chance to ask him there a little bit about uh, Juju, and and I wanted to get into that with him, and he just said that Juju is Juju. So uh, there you have uh, that, and uh, you got to let him be uh, who he is and that uh, Coach Tomlin feels the same way. I, I don't know. I mean, I think he sets himself up for a little bit of ridicule. I don't think he's talking kind of crazy about Denzel Ward. I mean, the guy's just kind of goofy. So that's kind of what that is. Uh, so uh, real real quick, thank you there for uh, um, uh, Ike Taylor making the time for us here at All Eyes.
Listen, uh, this has been another episode of All Eyes on Cleveland. I'm going to finish up here with just a couple thoughts, all right? So, uh, as far as this game goes, and no positive test today, fantastic news for the Browns. Uh, Stefanski, as I mentioned earlier, uh, no practice today, but a virtual um, walkthrough with, like, no through assignments they were going to have everybody on doing all that stuff so the game plan is clearly in place um and he's getting everyone ready for that for sunday night i don't count the browns out of this at all i mentioned it to jeff uh and jake earlier a team that is counted out and has nothing to lose that can go and play free and easy and with nothing to lose, and a Baker Mayfield that feels like he has nothing to lose is a scary team to play against because if he gets hot, if the run game gets going, they can jump on you. The Browns can score some points now. We've seen it happen. We saw what they did against the Titans in the first half, uh, you know, and uh, against the Giants. If he plays like that, they have a very good chance. Um, You have to find a way to somehow combat the offensive line of Joe Batonio. I thought Kendall Lamb would scoot over uh, and play. Uh, thoughts earlier from uh, Jeff Risden said that he thought that it would be Michael Dunn, uh, who has not played an NFL snap yet. Those are areas of concern. We know we got Goodson back. We kind of went over the timeline on the other guys. I think they should get everybody else back if they're healthy. Uh, I asked Ike about coming off a 10 days of rest and playing. He said mentally you'll be there, but obviously physically you would feel it a little bit. Uh, So good aspects, good look at things from uh, Pittsburgh Steeler for 12-year Super Bowl champion. Great work from uh, Jake Burns uh, at the OBR as he came on and Jeff Risen from the Browns Wire. Uh, Go check out our work over at the Browns Wire as well. Um, This has been another episode of All Eyes on Cleveland. Wild Card Weekend Special Edition. I hope you enjoyed it. Try to deliver everything that we could here uh, for you guys on a monster, monster weekend. But this, this being in this game, getting over this hump is the most important thing the Browns could have done this season. Winning the, that game in Week 17 and getting their young players into the playoffs, getting them that experience, getting them that feeling of winning that important game when the pressure was coming down on them and getting in is a huge hump to get over for an organization and for a fan base. It meant a lot to a lot of people, and that's really huge. Uh, so everything from here on, I don't want to be like everything from here on is gravy because that's not how the team is looking at or anything like that. But with Stefanski out, you hope they go play free and easy, nothing to lose. It should be a fun game to watch and a fun game to root for because you really don't have anything to lose at this point. Your team is an 11-win team, and the arrow's pointed up from here and into the future. Let's see what they can do Sunday night. I think they have an absolute chance to win. I really do. Uh, And a lot of that is because I don't think that highly of this Pittsburgh Steelers team. Um, So that's where I come out. I mean, their offense, I don't think that highly of. I think that Ben can really, really struggle at times. Um, and I think that they can be kind of taken apart here down the stretch. So I appreciate you listening to the show tonight. Uh, We are with uh, 
Blue Wire Hustle now. Uh, as you'll see the show come out, you'll see the new artwork here as we get up out of here. Uh, my name is Brad Ward. Mikey was on the ones and the twos. Huge thanks again to our guest, Jake Burns, at the OBR in the OBR Film Breakdown uh, podcast, which is also on uh, Blue Wire Podcasts. Uh, you'll uh, see uh, Jeff Risden was on the show earlier as well. Uh, he is the managing editor at the Browns Wire and writes at Real GM. He also works over at the Lions Wire, covering two NFL teams. And then Ike Taylor, uh, very gracious with his uh, time, uh, defensive back for 12 years with the Pittsburgh Steelers, joined us to talk about Juju Smith-Schuster in the big matchup this weekend. Thank you for watching the show. Uh, all eyes on Cleveland. My name is Brad Ward. Mikey on the ones and twos. We are out.